0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another week on the PPC show. I'm your host, JD Prater. And this week we have Gil Hong, account manager at Seer Interactive. And he's gonna be talking to us about shopping ads. And the top three takeaways from this week's episode are really trying to understand, one, the hidden cost of your product sales. So really thinking through your shipping and your promotions and your returns and your restocking costs outside of just revenue driven. Understanding how to use custom labels to add additional context to your feed, so using those labels to add stuff like profit margins, best sellers, or average order value. And then lastly, understanding how your feeds can be optimized for non-brand and seasonal queries. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Hey, Gil, welcome to the PPC show.
1: Glad to be here.
0: Oh man, it's been a, uh, a while since you've been on. You were one of the very first uh, people that were interviewed on the show back when we were on Blab. Do you even remember that?
1: Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you know, fun fact, I actually had a fever that day when um, I was recording <laughs> recording out of my living room. Um, I think my, my kid was like crying like upstairs. And so that was uh, a little added pressure, but you know, it, fond memories.
0: Oh, man. Well, I hope you're feeling better today.
1: Definitely. I'm, nice. I'm ready to get started.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh, it's good to have you on the show and uh, even good to talk to you again. Um, Gil and I uh, officially kind of like met. Uh, he was actually in Denver back when I was in Denver, and we met up uh, to grab a drink at a, a local beer garden. Was that was that last summer, right?
1: Yeah, uh, just almost almost a year, maybe a little over a year ago now.
0: Yeah. Um, Gil has some, and then your, your parents are there, right?
1: Yep. Uh, my parents live, uh, you know, uh, outside of the Denver area. And so went to go visit and, uh, you know, I just hit up PPC channels. I was like, hey, anybody in the Denver area want to grab a drink? You know, just you know, talk PPC and uh, have, a, have an, a real life PPC chat, so to, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm always down. I'm always down. Talk PPC. I'm always down for a beer as well. So uh, <laughs> of course I hit that up and met up with Gil. So it's been really good, man. Uh, really good to have you back and uh, get to talk to you again. And so you've been at, let's see, Seer now for how long have you been up there?
1: Um, I think I'm coming up on three years now. Um, so it's been quite a long time, but you know, time sure does fly. Uh, you know, when you're having a good time, and uh, you know, I I definitely uh, enjoy my time here at Seer.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And uh, you are based out of the San Diego office, correct?
1: Yep, that's right. Um, I was actually the first PPC hire out of our San Diego office. Uh, we have about 75% of our company in our headquarters in Philly. Um, and you know, back when I started almost three years ago, we were at like 10 people, and now we've ballooned out to almost 30.
0: Oh, wow. How many people are at SEER now total?
1: Uh, we're uh, maybe about a little over 100, 110, 120. I mean, it's hard to keep track of so many new hires that come through. I mean, you have a training maybe every other week to, to give and um, just a lot more names and faces to learn.
0: Dang man, wow, that's awesome. Well, I really enjoy following you guys' blog. You guys actually kill it on Instagram. I don't know who your social media manager is, <laughs> but uh, I love this like Twinky Tuesdays. I just find that to be hysterical.
1: <laughs> I'll be sure to pass along those compliments. Um, you know, every time we submit to uh, you know the person who uh, volunteers for that, they they always like to to get. Um, you know the best captions possible, and so we're always trying to, you know, crowdsource uh, just our captions, and uh, yeah, they're they're pretty ruthless when it comes to to making sure there's top quality uh, top quality captioning on those posts.
0: <laughs> I believe it, man. I believe it. Uh, well, cool, cool. Well, um, we're so lucky to have you here on the show, and you're going to be talking about uh, shopping ads, and this is a little teaser because you're actually going to be speaking at State of Search coming up in October, right? That's right. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, give us a little bit more about what you're going to be speaking about. Um, and then we can kind of just like walk through it together.
1: Sure thing. Um, you know, so this upcoming, uh, October 9th through the 10th is state of search out of Dallas. Um, and I'll be speaking on shopping ads and more specifically, you know, how well do you know the products that you're marketing? Um, you know, oftentimes Um, You know, this could apply to to marketing in general, you know, us as PPC practitioners, it's easy for us to to get in the weeds of the data and get in the weeds of the new features that are coming out, uh, new ad formats and things to try out, but um, it could be easy to forget, you know, just the context behind what we're marketing, um, you know, that there are real people behind these searches, Um, you know, it's not just uh, optimizing towards the lowest CPA, but you know, are, are the ads that we're presenting, are they meeting the needs of the customer, um, as well as, you know, doing right by your clients, um, you know, making sure that, um, you know, you're, you're not, uh, you know, um, forgetting that, that the clients that you represent are real people. They have real goals, um, you know, that they need to meet as well.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, man, that's. It's always easy to do whenever you just stare at numbers all day. So uh, I know that we're going to be talking about shopping ads. Uh, do you like e-commerce over lead gen?
1: You know, that's that's a tough question because, uh, you know, I could easily say that, you know, over half my time uh, is probably spent on lead gen. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's just a certain aspect to Google Shopping um, or shopping ads in general that um, just offer an added dimension um, that you don't get with lead gen um, hmm. you know. And, and part of that uh, just might be uh, related to um, just being able to identify more uh, just in the retail space you know I'm a consumer um, you know I'm not necessarily a, a b2b uh, person that needs to be uh, that needs to solicit services and stuff all the time you know I'm very much a consumer and so uh, that just resonates a little bit more so with with me and um you know i, I like all the shiny new toys that come out to uh to, to complement you know all the ad sets and, and things that are, are put out
0: yeah well it just reminds me i think uh melissa Mackey uh posted up on twitter a couple of weeks ago that uh google hates b2b marketers so <laughs> i think i think you're in good hands uh sticking with the with the uh with the shopping ads so let's jump into it man uh and um so you're going to be presenting on when it comes to shopping ads, like how well do you know your products at State of Search. You guys can catch Gil there in uh, in October. So, But for now, we're going to get a sneak peek of his presentation and give him a kind of like a quick dry run. So uh, what's the first thing that you think that we should keep in mind whenever we're talking about how well do you know your products?
1: Um, you know, I, I think the key things is, you know, uh, this could apply to when you're kicking off a new uh, e-commerce client, or you know, maybe you're seasoned and you've been running them for a while. You know, do you understand really uh, just all the hidden costs that come into the sale of the product? Um, you know, do you understand the shipping costs? Um, you know, what kind of promotions are they running? Whether they're uh, promoted, um, you know, via paid search or shopping or email marketing, um, you know, or holidays. Um, and do you even understand, you know, the returns and restocking costs as well? Um, and so, you know, different uh, industries will have different margins for all of these. I mean, you could just think about amazon.com as a prime, you know, kind of retail e-commerce example. Um, you know, prime shipping is two day. I mean, there's gotta be pretty heavy margins there if if maybe the product weighs more than 20 pounds or something like that, or or bundled items together. And so a lot of these factors, you know, or coming from the marketing side, it's it's easy to forget these things, um, and at the same time, you're not expected to be an expert in you know product shipping weights and uh, cost to FedEx two day deliveries and and all those sort of things. But at the same time, we can still pick up on trends that are related to um, you know what we see in the data, um, whether that's data that you see maybe in an analytics platform of average order value, um, things often purchased together, or just talking to um, you know the your procurement manager or, or someone that that handles um, you know those aspects of the of the um, of the daily marketing within the company. Um, you know again, just having a good grasp and understanding of um, what is the context behind the conversions that you're driving um, outside of just the numbers you see in AdWords can be very important. Sure.
0: How would you go about um, getting that information? Do you guys just have that as part of your onboarding experience with the client, or do you really think that's up to the account manager to really be asking those questions?
1: Um, I would say it's a a two-pronged approach. I mean, definitely um, we have uh, our own kickoff questionnaires that we send out, and it'll include a lot of the the, at least high-priority questions in terms of, you know, what are your best-selling products? Um, you know what kind of seasonality is involved and so uh, at the beginning you know not to get too lost in the details it's it's important to ask you know well what are the top drivers um, what makes um, your company successful in, in terms of what you sell um, and you know what are some of the, the things that are a little less obvious but have a big impact uh, towards your bottom line um, and then uh, just the second part of that just over time as you as you start to look at the data and and have that context in mind that it's more than just the surface level numbers you know are you are you bringing you know some of these insights to uh, your client and ask continuing to ask questions continuing to broaden your understanding of their of their company and um, you know what they sell um, one of the examples that I like to bring up is that um, you know I was uh, managing this client that does um, you know uh, bar accessories for for your home and we like to personalize it and so you'll get like barware like glasses and, and beer steins and all the way up to um you know wine refrigerators, wine racks and uh you know, I was on a, a status call with this client and we were like, hey, uh, you know, this uh this one wine storage ad group, you know, they it performed super well last week. You know, we had an average order value of you know, over a thousand dollars, and you know we were we were really proud of that. We were like, hey, like this is great compared to our average, and the client's like, oh, you know, that's interesting you say that because uh, you know those uh, those wine storage uh, products that we carry, that's our lowest margin product, um, and yeah, the ad value looked great in AdWords and in Google Analytics with the revenue,
0: sure. um,
1: but. The bottom line, you know, in terms of them having to ship and install and handling um, and to stock that product over time uh, was actually kind of a loss for them. And, um, you know, it was, it was a tough conversation to have. I mean, uh, you know, we went in there uh, all happy and giddy to, <laughs> yeah. to share, you know, this super great result. And, you know, we kind of got a little deflated after that. But, you know, it's, it was a great learning experience, uh, not only for us, but for the client. Um, you know, if anything, uh, it helped, you know. Our awareness of, of the products that they carry, and to look out for those things in the future as, as red flags or yellow flags potentially. And for the client, they eventually uh, stopped stocking that product altogether. Um, so it was mm-hmm. it was kind of good on both ends because um, it could have just been something that skated under the radar, um, you know, for you know for who knows how long before it, it ever got addressed.
0: Wow, yeah, that's a pretty powerful story right there. Um... You know, it's always a really tough one whenever you actually talk about hidden costs. When you talk about shipping and promotions and these returns and then like these restocking costs, how do you go about keeping track of that and organizing all of this and when within your day to day management?
1: Yeah, you know that'll that'll definitely be very difficult. Um, you know, I haven't found a great way of automating like a, a data feed from the client that includes all that information. Um, you know, if if you if you do have that information available at your hands, then you know definitely power to you. Um, they're probably very efficient. You probably have to work on efficiently uh, assessing all of that data um, in terms of return rates and shipping costs and restocking fees and whatnot. Um, you know definitely uh, it could definitely be easy to get lost in the weeds there. So knowing you know what to what to pull out to um, have actionable at your hands um, and what cause and effects you know that you know, is this going to influence how you bid on things or you, the budget that you put towards it? Um, just knowing, you know, will that data accurately um, accurately inform um, some of the day-to-day changes that you can make versus maybe bigger changes such as maybe we need to pull this product out altogether um, or maybe uh, introduce additional complementary products, uh, you know, on the client side, um, I think are, are the important things to pull from this. Um, I haven't quite, Quite thought about it too much in terms of day to day management, but in terms of um, maybe more on a macro level, um, I, I could see this uh, being a little bit more um, easier to digest and to, to to work with.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, it's it seems like that the way that the shopping feeds are funneled in through like Google Merchant Center, they could easily add in this like a couple of more columns, and AdWords could become even more robust whenever you. Are building out your shopping feeds and you're building out your bid rules or your uh, segmenting those kind of products so AdWords if you're listening add in a <laughs> few more columns shipping costs, promo cost returns restocking cost even uh, your margins would be really cool to have at like a product level um, because as an e commerce store you probably already have this information but there are a few things right um, so what are some ways that you do add some context to this feed? I know that you you and I uh, had talked about custom labels. How are you using those custom labels?
1: Right, and so you're limited to uh, custom labels zero through four, so you get five five total. Um, you know and. And you know, even then, you still have some additional limitations baked in. Um, I did, I forget the exact number off the top of my head, whether it's a thousand or ten thousand, but there is a hard limit to the amount of unique values that you can enter per custom label. Um, and so it used to be that, uh, or it's still currently, you know, kind of a, a hack to to get product title more product title information within AdWords that you would set one of your custom labels to equal the title of the product. Um, you know, we have the products tab available in AdWords right now, but there's no download button, so you kind of have to do a really messy copy and paste straight from the UI. Um, but you know, you're you're able to at least pull a label report and have these titles in there. But if your inventory is over X amount of products, then that solution doesn't really work out for you. Hmm. Um, so knowing again the limitations of the custom labels uh, can really characterize you know what they can be useful for. Uh, you know, profit margin is one that's uh, I see very commonly uh, utilized, uh, you know, whether it's a high profit or high, high margin product, low margin, um, even something as simple as, um, is this a best seller or a seasonal product um, and being able to, to overlay uh, trends over time uh, to see how, um, how they perform and whether or not they need to be segmented and treated differently based on seasonality um, and performance. Uh, you know, the, there's, the, the possibilities are endless here um, but again, knowing knowing where you can be limited um, just really helps to to make sure that you don't you don't find yourself too far down a rabbit hole.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So whenever you're setting up your uh, your campaigns, do you try to add those in to the very beginning or if you're inheriting and maybe even auditing an account? Um, what are some of the ways that you go about adding those custom labels? or when do you add those custom labels?
1: Um, you know, a lot will depend on the goals of the client, um, and so oftentimes, you know, when it comes to e-commerce, it's it's easy to set up a goal of, oh, let's let's have an account-wide return on ad spend goal of, let's say, three to one. Um, but, you know, when the client comes up with that number, you know, it's, it usually bakes in a, a considerable amount of factors, you know, it probably bakes in your, your agency fees or your overhead costs, um, you know, maybe it does include... Um, some of these returns, restocking costs, uh, shipping costs, maybe uh, aggregate promotion costs uh, over time for the year. Um, but you know, how much more granular could we get with those goals, and and uh, how can we use that to to better inform how we're bidding, you know, on specific sets of products, um, you know, uh, retail or sorry, a, the apparel industry, for example. Um, you know, there's a ton of you know different intent-driven Um, seasonality triggered, um, even cart bundling options that, that can present itself. Um, but if you have an overarching return on ad spend goal, um, you know, is that, is that going to do it? Um, is that going to be good enough, uh, to, to inform how you market all the products together versus segmenting by, by, uh, different product sets. Hmm.
0: Cool. Cool. So, uh, within all of that, you know, so I know... My hidden cost, I'm using some custom labels. Uh, what are some other ways that you are optimizing your feed?
1: Um, you know, and, and just being able to, um, you know, ha- I guess optimizing the feed in terms of custom labels, uh, you know, just making sure that um, all of your custom labels are being applied. Um, and so oftentimes, um, you know, a lot of feed changes might be done on the client side through maybe a web dev or their own e-commerce platform, or maybe you're making the changes yourself in a Google Sheet uh, if you have direct control of the feed, um, or through a third-party uh, feed handler. Um, you know, just knowing where those potential bottlenecks could occur or where the QA process um, uh, kind of ends, in a sense, um, you know, is really important. Um, just, just because you know we could custom define all of these labels, um, but if we're not checking in on um, how often they're being applied or if they're e- being evenly applied, you know, across all products or new products that get introduced to the feed over time, um, you know, that's, that's definitely a, a quick and, and easy way to, to make sure that, um, you know, over time that you're, you're still performing as you have things set up um, and an easy way for things to kind of break, um, you know, just in, in terms of ensuring that data quality.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So in the beginning, you were, you were kind of talking about like there's a person behind the search, right? Mm-hmm. And you were talking really kind of around like buying intent. Um, what are some ways that you think about uh, buying intent whenever you are setting up your shopping campaigns?
1: Um, you know, I think that's something that, um, you know, from a product feed perspective is something that we as PPC marketers have kind of forgotten over time. Um, you know, we all learned keyword based marketing and that was something that we had to be really careful about in terms of, you know, how do our keywords relate to our ads, um, is the intent there with search query reports, um, you know, how is our ad ad copy tested over time, um, but with uh, you know, feed-based marketing with PLAs and and stuff, Uh, you know, Google tried to make it as easy as possible that even a dummy could do, just make sure your feed is good. And then we kind of take it from there. We, you know, pull the images, we show the ads and we put it, you know, way up in front for everybody to see before text ads. And um, I think the aspect of of continually testing um, how the ad shows uh, for PLAs is something that isn't done, um, done as often as it should. Um, you know, a key thing in terms of uh, getting back to your original point of, of the person behind the search is, you know, how are they searching for these things, and how does the ad title, for example, or even the ad image resonate with that searcher? Um, you know, looking into search query reports will be definitely uh, important to see, you know, how are your products triggering, um, and even diving into title testing and a little bit of description testing uh, just to, to see what kind of um, traffic you're eligible for. Um, but title testing, definitely, you know, seeing that pop up um, and knowing, you know, how often is your ad title being truncated? I mean, you definitely have a lot more character spaces there than are eligible to show in, in the little tiny box that shows up for the PLA. Um, and so knowing, you know, what what needs to be shown first to really resonate with that with that uh, potential customer. Um, and so one tool that I like to use, uh, or I guess a couple tools that I like to use to, to help find that buying intent, you know, we're well, looking at your search query reports, what is converting, what are people searching for, what um, is bringing in the most volume in that, in that sense. Um, also looking into Google Trends um, in terms of how people are searching, are people searching for your product this way or maybe a synonym of it um, what kind of um, what kind of different actions uh, or verbs or even emotions are being uh, attached to those product names? Um, that's something that I like to use a uh, tool Answer the Public for. Um, it's a keyword-based tool, um, you know, you just plug in a keyword and it'll spit out kind of all of the, you know, kind of the, I, I kind of like the Google instant search results for it in mm-hmm. terms of what are the questions behind that keyword, you know, what are um, the, the one of the most trafficked um, queries that involve that keyword. Um, I think you could do a, a similar uh, function in SEMrush with the, I think they're like Magic Keyword tool or something. Um, but there are a good amount of keyword tools out there that'll give you that additional insight uh, beyond just you know keywords and titles. Um, but really, you know, what is the intent behind it, um, and how then could we position? Um, our title testing for product listing ads knowing that we have an even limited and even more limited space than text ads to, to play around with um, to try and, and get that um, you know intent based click uh, to, to get to our site.
0: Hmm. I'm sure um, the practitioners listening to this one uh, with the, that are running shopping ads are probably wondering how often do you uh, optimize those feeds around title and images? Uh, whenever you're making those changes, and how do you know when it's time to change again or try something else?
1: hmm you know and a lot of that will will be similar to how often you do um, Like regular testing throughout the account um, Definitely, you know, you want to you want to be able to prioritize the products that are driving the most uh, volume and value um, and so kind of that whole Pareto principle rule where you wanna focus on, on the top drivers um, and spend most of your time there. Um, you know, that's not to say that uh, an entire product feed wide um, title test uh, wouldn't be effective. I mean, there's definitely a good test to start off with, um, you know, that'll be ordering of like the title versus the, and then the brand and the color or, or model number or something like that. Um, there are definitely good macro tests that you can run on the entire feed, in that sense but you know once you kind of get you know finished with those bigger tests you know where can you really drive in and and hone into the specific products again that are are driving the most value for for that client
0: gotcha just kind of like anecdotally i've always wondered uh with this one have you found anything that you would be like yes this works like brand product product number or like product <laughs> brand number or anything like that? Have you found anything that you are like, yeah, you should definitely do this.
1: Um, I would say it's, it's definitely worth testing those variants, especially if, you know, when you, when you search yourself or search, those uh, products yourself, you know what are the competitors doing? Um, and sometimes it's you got to kind of take a page out of Larry Kim's old playbook in terms of you know what are you what are you doing to be kind of the unicorn ad that the, the ad that 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 um, that stands out. You know, does your ad look exactly the same as everybody else's ad? Um, you know, maybe you don't have a choice in terms of uh, the product image you could choose. That could be you know manufacturer mandated, but. You know, in terms of how you display your title, um, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing different? Like, is it just um, just simply elements from the feed that you're squishing together for the title, um, or are you are you changing things up a little bit? And um, that could, uh, I mean, I guess depending on your industry, can can have different results. Um, ultimately, you know, if you're not price competitive, that's that might also hurt your click through rate as well. But um, I guess anecdotally speaking, you know, it, it's just going to depend. Um, you're going to have to test. You're going to have to see what the landscape looks like. Um, you know, how are people searching? Um, different audiences often will search differently. Um, you know, you can assume that um, someone that is searching for the specific model number or exact product style um, that those people are a lot further down the funnel. They've done a lot more research versus. Um, People that are searching more generic product, Google product category type of searches like, you know, searching for men's shoes versus men's athletic shoes or men's Nike free 5.0 shoes, Um, you know, those are all going to have different intents behind them. Um, You know, there's a a great strategy uh, for segmenting your campaigns by um, kind of query intent using... um, Using the uh, priority filtering uh, option in the settings, you know, high, medium, and low, and um, that's that's kind of a topic for like a whole another yeah. uh, podcast because <laughs> it's a it's a pretty complex um, strategy to to unfold. And I know Kirk Williams is a big advocate for that strategy, and um, you know the ultimate. I think that strategy came from Mark uh, Martin. Um, I always forget how to pronounce his name because uh, he's. I think he's out a Blue Fusion in Germany, yeah. um, but but he had presented this maybe oh, man I want to say back in uh, 2014. Um, this was a really long time ago that he presented this um, this concept of, of being able to you know layer in uh, your your uh, campaign priority settings and and negative keywords to kind of funnel. To go down a specific path to, to optimize bids. Um, but you know, once you layer that into the whole shopping strategy, I mean, then, then the possibilities are endless at that point.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Well, it's now time for rapid fire questions. Are you ready <laughs> to go? Go for it. All right. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and you'll have 60 seconds to answer them. So uh, in the beginning uh, of this podcast, you talked about uh, hiring some new people. And I wanted to know, what's one skill that you look for in new hires?
1: Um, you know, I think uh, Sears is definitely a different type, type of agency in that we hire a lot more um, more based on, on culture fit than necessarily hard skills. Um, so definitely being able to, to show that drive and passion for the industry, uh, that you're curious and that you're driven to uh, find the right answers and to test out and to to, to drive results, um, I think is a very key quality for uh, for successful new hires at here.
0: And if this successful new hire was to show this passion, uh, what type of blogs uh, should they be reading? So the, it's kind of a roundabout question of asking you, uh, where mm-hmm. do you go, man? Like, where do you go to keep up with the industry? Do you have any favorite uh, blogs that you're always checking in on or publications that you follow?
1: Um, yeah, and you know, it'll, it'll vary across the internet. Um, I'm a big advocate of using social media to help curate hmm. the, the content that I consume. Um, and so um, you can very often find me on PPC chat, uh, hashtag for Twitter, um, and that's a great place for people to kind of share um, you know, their insights, their opinions. Um, you know, oftentimes you may find a lot of spammers there, but, uh, at the same time, you know, the one, the, 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 tweets that you see get the most likes and, and responses and follows, um, and retweets from other people that, that you can trust in the industry. Um, you know, I would say that, that those are definitely the articles that I like to, to keep up to date on. Um, I also like the ad Sage this week in the ad tech uh, newsletter that you guys put out. Um,
0: Here's yeah, your $5 skill. Gives... <laughs> Thank you. It's
1: in the um, mail. <laughs> I, I wasn't asked to, to, to give this a little plug-in, but, you know, I, I definitely include it in, in the trainings that I give here at SEER for new hires in terms of keeping up to date in the industry and um, just making sure you have a good breath and understanding um, of all things digital marketing and not just necessarily uh, hyper PPC-focused.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, we definitely appreciate the plug-in. <laughs> <laughs> I will uh, put that in the mail later this afternoon, though. Yeah. Um, Uh, Well, cool. So uh, next question. Who has been your favorite PPC presenter? So you've been out in conferences. Uh, Who is someone that you could always like listen to or you see them on the schedule and you're like, I can't miss that conversation or that session? Oh,
1: man, that's that's a real tough, tough one to answer. Um, You know, I think um, looking back at some of the people that have in in the industry, uh, you know, for the longest amount of time and, and have lived through uh, a lot of the trends that uh, may resurface over time in terms of what Google does to to um, to, to change things in the industry. Um, I like to listen to those types of people, so Brad Geddes would be, uh, you know, one of the people at the forefront that that I, it's a kind of a can't miss for me. Um, and so I, I would probably look towards uh, people that have definitely, you know, have been true veterans in this industry, you know, well over a decade of experience that, um, you know, that, that I look to, to, to really get the most wisdom and knowledge out of, um, in terms of, uh, you know, my PPC knowledge and, and what I look for when I attend a conference.
0: Gotcha. And then last question is really kind of around, um, agency life. What has been your favorite aspect of working for an agency?
1: you know, the variety is great. Um, the variety of the clients you get to work for, um, as well as the different strategies that you get to implement. Um, granted, you know, um, I'm not promoting that you work for an agency that, that constantly switches you on and off clients. Um, but just being able to have access to other, you know, uh, PPCers at your company that are working on different clients as well. Uh, you know, that's kind of a way to um, kind of have your hand or say or, or input in terms of strategy or collaboration uh, for clients that you'd love to work for, but maybe aren't working on currently. Um, and I, I would say that that team aspect really goes a long way in terms of, um, you know, again having a collaborative uh, atmosphere um, at a larger agency um, and being able to um, to pull that collective knowledge. Um, you know, it certainly makes it easier to, to write case studies when you could just uh, look to your MCC and kind of grab grab mass amounts of data at once to, to kind of uh, prove or disprove your hypothesis.
0: <laughs> good point. Good point. Well, Gil, thank you so much for coming on the PPC show. You dropped some serious knowledge on us when it comes to shopping. And I really hope that everyone listening uh, has got some very actionable takeaways.
1: Yep. And thanks for having me on again.
0: Yeah, man. Well, you guys can find Gil at, uh, on Twitter and Gil, what is your, uh, what do they call these things? Your handle, your username on Twitter where people can find you.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, at underscore Gil Hong, G I L H I H O N G. Um, but you know, if you, if you linger around on PPC chat long enough, you'll, you'll probably see me pop up. So
0: well, cool. Well, thanks again. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week.